0: You're listening to episode 194 of the Fitzpro podcast, and we are skipping the intro today because this is a several part series of the birth story of baby Miller. So if you missed episode 193, go listen to that. We are going to dive in exactly where we left off. So in episode 193, we left off with me arriving to the hospital, 4.30 p.m., getting into a room. I had been in triage. In triage, we discover that baby Miller was posterior and asynclitic, so his head was tilted. He was having a hard time dropping into my pelvis. And this was one of my greatest fears. We talked about in part one, identifying your fears in labor and how important that is. This was my greatest fear, actually, in birth. I knew that posterior babies often led to back labor and because I wanted an unmedicated birth, I was very very nervous because that was something that I didn't think that I would be able to handle in an unmedicated setting. I really felt that if I had a posterior baby and experienced back labor, I would need to get an epidural. I was not going to be able to push through that. For context, my baby had been in perfect LOA position for literally five weeks leading up to labor. I had been feeling contractions in my sacrum and my rectum, like I had mentioned, uh, having a lot of pressure posteriorly, but I wasn't having any low back pain like people talked about. I really didn't have any pain like in my midsection at all. Didn't have any pain in my legs. It was all very, very, the pressure and the sensations were concentrated to my pelvis the entire time. So I was very grateful to keep progressing as I was with the, with the sensations that I was having. I was grateful for that. Once we knew his position, the objective was to get baby in a better position and to drop lower because he was having a really hard time entering the pelvis. Still, we had, um, done a check at this point because I wanted to know where I was when I got into the room. Uh, they had, very much so supported the fact that I wanted an unmedicated natural physiological birth. And I felt very supported in that. I was super, super stoked to have the labor and delivery team that I had like from the get go. So we did a check. I was at a five and a half, uh, five to six, they said, but the baby was still at a negative three, meaning he had barely entered the pelvis, if at all. And I was 90% effaced. So very, very thin cervix left. And I was Five to six centimeters dilated, very much so inactive labor. Very solid dilation, cervix nearly completely thinned, but baby had not dropped. He was having a really hard time entering my pelvis. So the staff was amazing. We did inversions. Uh, Make sure to check this episode uh, on my blog because I will have all the photos from my birth, uh, the ones that align with this episode anyway, whatever we get to cover here today. So you'll see all these different positions and things that that I was in. Uh, So we did inversions. We did side lying hip release. My right leg was so tight. I had no idea. My leg almost would not drop at all. It was like uh, parallel to the floor. That's what was essentially that posterior pelvic floor was pulling the baby's head, causing that tilt. And if you follow Spinning Babies or Mama Stay Fit, you'll know all about the pelvic floor and how it can cause these things to happen in labor. So I did forward-leaning hip circles, hip and belly releases, vibrations, prone, supine positions. One of the nurses said she'd never seen such an active labor in all of her years of nursing, and she's been nursing for 20 years, labor and delivery nursing for 20 years. The level of activity was also noted in my chart summary, which I actually had to read through. I went back to my charts from the hospital after giving birth to get this timeline straight because in preparation for this podcast or this series of podcasts, because in labor, time is a blur. I mean, I thought I knew like at what time things kind of happened, but that was also a desire of mine in my birthing process is I didn't want to look at the clock. I just wanted to kind of let it happen at whatever pace it needed to happen at. During contractions, I would tuck my hips underneath me. So a posterior pelvic tilt and lift the belly. This felt horribly uncomfortable. Again, not painful, but just like really, really uncomfortable. Like my body did not want to do that. Uh, But that was because he was posterior and that was attempting to help him enter the pelvis. That was why we were doing that contractions began to feel much more anterior versus sacral and in my back. So that was winning. I could tell that the positions that we were doing and that resting with the posterior pelvic tilt was helping. I and the medical staff thought for sure we were going to see this baby on 11-22-22. We had even talked about how cool of a birthday it would be in between my contractions, but He had other plans. So essentially anytime I would rest, he would go back into that posterior uh, position like immediately. So I labored hard from 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. to gain one and a half centimeters, maybe. So I was a five to six and I went to a seven to eight in five hours. When I hit seven centimeters, there was a shift in my demeanor and my mindset for sure I put in my Christian hypnobirthing soundtracks that I had been listening to leading up to labor, and I let labor take over. Uh, I went with my body. Honestly, I was still like somewhat okay in between surges, but I was definitely in more of like a, I don't want to say a trans, but almost. Uh, I, I was in a different place for sure. And it was one of the most intense spiritual experiences that I imagine exists And I can only speak from my own experience, I guess, for the next three to four hours. So during this time, I was in nearly every labor position you can think of, rocking on all fours, diagonal lunges, deep squats, birthing ball, peanut ball, uh, peanut ball on my side, letting a leg hang over, leaning forward on the back of the toilet, standing over the toilet, um, leaning on the sink, again, deep squats, lunges, all, all of the things, again, It was one of the most primal things I've ever done, which makes sense, right? The sounds, the swaying, the breathing, the relying on wisdom from other women who have gone before me. I think birth is amazing. Another fear I found around labor and in my preparation for labor was the fear of just how vulnerable I would be and feel if I went all in and being okay with that, being okay with how vulnerable that was going to feel being okay with whatever sounds, movements, thoughts, needs came up, whatever I needed to ask for, whatever sound I needed to make, whatever position I needed to get in, being okay with that and embracing that. And I get that that might sound like really silly for some people, but for someone as unemotional and analytical as I am, it was a very big deal to embrace kind of this approach to labor. So I waited to get into the bathtub until I absolutely needed it. It was not a birthing tub, so it's not like a really big pool uh, that you could be in for the majority of labor and be really comfortable in. I knew that I was going to use it kind of as my epidural, if you will. And I had learned that from other women I had, had listened to. It was amazing. It was freaking amazing. I even fell asleep between contractions at one point in the bathtub. If you are planning to give birth unmedicated, and you're not using a bathtub, you are missing out, my friend. I would have been in that bath the whole entire time. But like I said, it was not a birthing pool. So the pressure began in my rectum again, like very, very intensely. And I was feeling pushy, having a very hard time not bearing down. Contractions I could tell were starting to kind of stack on one another, but I could also feel that they weren't long enough. They only felt like you know, thirty to forty-five seconds, and I knew that that wasn't. I knew intuitively that that wasn't right. Um, there was a little rest between them as well, so it's like I knew that these were signs of transition, being further along in labor, but it turns out that I wasn't technically further along in labor. So by all the the outward signs. I was positive I was in transition and close to pushing this baby out. I had all those sensations and so was the staff. I had an amazing nurse. Like I said, they were super supportive of physiological birth. And she was like, Annie, by the noises that you're making, I really want to get you like in a position where we can get you to push. Like by by the movements you're doing, by the noises that you're making, by the timing of these contractions, I really think we're getting close. Um, and I don't fault her for saying that at all because I felt the same. Like, I fully agree with what she was saying. So we went ahead and did a cervical check and it showed a lot of swelling, a lot of swelling down South due to me bearing down and feeling pushy. Essentially, like I said, on the outside, I was behaving, moaning, moving, like I was nearing pushing yet no progress had been made. (laughs) And when I say no progress, I mean like literally no progress. I had lost nearly all of my amniotic fluid, but was still at that same seven to eight centimeters and baby had barely dropped. I think he dropped from like a negative three to a negative two, maybe, uh, while also turning back into that posterior and asynclitic tilt. So he basically had got back into the posterior position, still had a head tilt, was not dropping into my pelvis, yet I was dilated at a seven to eight and fully effaced now. So internal... Contraction monitoring showed that my contractions were not strong enough to move baby down. And I actually really enjoyed seeing this data, as you can imagine with my personality, on the screen. I could objectively see how strong the contractions were. In addition to the fact that baby was just indeed not moving down from the cervical exam, we knew that. So it was 1 a.m. at this point. Remember that I got to the hospital at, um, well, I got admitted into my room at 4.30. It is now 1 a.m., I had been at a seven or eight for three to four hours with, like I said, no progress and a lot, a lot of active laboring. It was the most magical, spiritual, and hardest thing that I've ever done. Um, my sister was a freaking godsend as my doula. I literally do not know how I could have got through that. She, she helped me enjoy that process so much. I could not imagine her not being there. Um, I felt supported by all of the staff, my family. And it was actually, like I said, it was fun. Like, yes, it was very intense, but enjoyable at the same time. And I do think that the most challenging thing you can do can also be enjoyable. At this point, they needed the contractions to be stronger in order for baby to move down, which I fully understood. The contractions were stacking on one another, as I had mentioned, not allowing me to rest in between, and they weren't strong enough with that, which is perhaps why they were coming faster. I don't know the the physiology behind that and why that might've been happening. That is when Pitocin and then likely some level of pain management via an epidural entered the conversation. They knew my birthing plan and they had been unbelievably supportive and respectful of that. Uh, They even had me doing things that like I didn't even plan to do as far as like positions to get into and really coaching me kind of through different positions to be in during my contraction as well as resting. So I really enjoyed my experience there. Um, They said that I could keep laboring and simply shared that they were concerned about the swelling that I had had uh, from bearing down too early and the lack of strength behind the contractions over the the last 3 hours and perhaps that is why the bearing down was happening is because the contractions weren't strong enough so i basically felt this intense uh need to bear down in the last like 10 seconds of each contraction and i could not control it i couldn't stop it from happening and i was doing all of my you know hypnobirthing and i had my tracks in and i was uh breathing with an open jaw and shaking my jaw and opening my hands and really trying to relax everything because i knew that Labor is about surrendering to to the process and being able to relax and let your body do what your body was made to do. All of that was totally understandable. I had not at all been rushed or felt rushed in my process at all up to this point. I candidly said, "I can't stop bearing down. I, it was just happening." The staff was not pushy at all. No, no pun intended. They were rooting for me and they just gave me the options. They'd seen how hard I had been working for the last eight and a half hours. I was not like overly fatigued. They saw the options that I had explored and they were just there to provide alternatives based on what they saw happening and based on what I could objectively see and feel happening. I know the standards for labor stalls I learned them in my courses uh, in order to make sure that I was not being pushed and told like, oh, you haven't made X amount of process. We need to do this. We need to give you Pitocin. We need to push this along Um, because that often happens when an actual labor stall has not happened. With that, because of the courses that I took, I knew that I had already technically had two labor stalls essentially when they... Let me labor through them. And I had appreciated that. Um, on paper, I had already had two labor stalls and they did not push any intervention on me. The fact was, I was at a seven to eight and baby was still not descending into my pelvis, but I felt like he was at like a plus two at least. Like I felt very close to pushing the amount of pressure that I was feeling in my rectum specifically. And that's mostly. Probably because of his posterior position, not actually because I was close to pushing. This might be TMI, but I had said to the nurse when we were in the bathroom, I literally felt my vagina opening like the head was nearing the outlet of the pelvis. Like I told her that's what it felt like. Uh, and again, that sensation came from the swelling that was happening, not because of where the baby was. So this these sensations that I said made me feel close to pushing, which were the, the literal opening of my vagina and the pressure in my rectum were kind of pseudo, pseudo feelings from other things that were happening because of the swelling that I had from the bearing down and because of baby's posterior position. So again, that's just objective information that helped me understand what was going on. I felt like I had made so much progress in those three to four hours when I was stuck at a seven to eight and didn't know that I was stuck at a seven to eight. But according to the numbers, I hadn't, which is hard to believe, So who knows if some other progress was actually being made internally that we couldn't see. But when I looked at the facts and I looked objectively at the numbers, they were undeniable. My sister, Nathaniel, myself, and the staff all decided that an epidural and Pitocin was what needed to happen. I felt that I had tried all the things. I felt like I had exhausted my options that I wanted to try. I had enjoyed my natural experience up to this point even more than I could have imagined with the contractions piling on one another and them not being strong enough to move baby down and me uncontrollably bearing down at the end of each surge. I felt like we needed a different approach. So this is where, of course, questions come in, right? If I waited one more hour, would he have just shot out? If I would have tried X position again, would we have would he have dropped? If I would have just stayed in the tub a little longer, but we can't play that game. What was most important to me was that I felt I had again autonomy, freedom, I was calm in my decision making, I didn't feel pressured, I felt supported, and all of those things were true. At eight centimeters. I got an epidural. You guys, (laughs) you guys, when I tell you that epidurals are actually magic, I'm not over-exaggerating. I wanted to feel all the sensations of birth. So an epidural did not make sense for me. That was the reason. I I wanted the freedom to move. I also wanted to follow my body. So especially with the pushing, like I wanted to... Feel the fetal ejection reflex. And with an epidural, you obviously can't feel that. So, um with with the whole approach that I wanted for my birth, an epidural didn't make sense. At this point, I felt that it was was needed not for pain management, but because I could tell my body was not relaxing the way that it needed to relax. I was not able to control that. And so, I mean, despite attempting to, right? Like I, I knew that I was doing all the right breathing and I was, like I said, opening my jaw, opening my hands in the tub, really trying to relax my body. But those last however many seconds of each surge that I just felt like I needed to bear down was essentially doing damage. So I also wanted the the benefits for baby and myself of a natural birthing process. But oh my goodness, if you do not want to feel pain and are not concerned with potential benefits of a natural birth, then by all means, baby Jesus and Mother Mary in a manger, get yourself an epidural. Holy shit. After the epidural, I got to nine centimeters within like 20 minutes of resting. And he dropped to a plus two from seven to eight centimeters in like a negative two. It was so clear that I needed to relax. And the epidural did that. I, w- I thought I was relaxed. False that was false. I could see that Pitocin was making my contractions stronger on the monitor. So I could see what they were at beforehand. And then I could see that with the Pitocin, how much stronger they were, how quickly he dropped into my pelvis. It was super interesting for me to see, like from a data standpoint, I love that stuff. Um, and it also helped me feel good about the decision that I made. The staff let me know that the epidural would, uh, take based on gravity, which I also thought was fascinating. So if I was laying on one side, it would only take on that one side. So they had me gently rolling back and forth to be sure that it took evenly. And I had heard all these horror stories about epidurals from so many women like only working on one side or not taking properly, or they got stabbed four times. Um, I feel very blessed that I felt very informed. I was well led uh, in getting an epidural. It was fascinating to me. And I didn't feel like it, I guess, took away from my experience at all. But again, that's I'm biased because it was a very positive experience. I also was so surprised by how active I could still be with an epidural. I mean, I was still in all sorts of positions. So again, I just it wasn't a road that I had planned on going down. So I think I was like extra fascinated by it when that's the turn it took. I had hella amniotic fluid, lost nearly all of it before getting the epidural, and it was full of meconium. It looked disgusting. Baby boy's bowels had been doing work inside my womb, as I did also inside my mother, it appears. This was another concern that they had, just in general risk of infection, in the amount of meconium that was there. Um, I don't know the efficacy of that concern, but I could see the logic. Um, At 4 a.m., I was checked again, And was nearly at a 10, but I had an anterior lip. So we're now 12 hours at the hospital or 12 hours uh, in the room. With my swelling, they didn't want to manually push the lip back because of the amount of swelling that I had or do anything for that matter, which I really felt like they were on my team there. So they did some inversions. So I still did inversions as in like, uh, got, you know, a chair from the bed and put my knees on the bed and then put my elbows on the chair to get inverted, to kind of give baby space to, to move and that lip to open up. Um, we did side sideline peanut ball work. We did shaking and vibration still even with an epidural. I did not know that you could move this much with an epidural. Again, I was fascinated. I legitimately thought you were like paralyzed from the waist down. I did not think there was any moving that could happen. So I think that's why I thought it was such a cool experience as well. I thought that I would feel a lot more debilitated By the epidural, and that was not the case. This was one of my mistakes, I would say. I considered my birthing plan for an unmedicated vaginal birth, pain management outside of an epidural in the path for a C section, but I had not actually considered an epidural vaginal birth, which at this point is exactly where I was. So I was like, dang it, I didn't did not prepare for this part. 5:15 a.m. and I hit 10 centimeters and began pushing immediately. I pushed for an hour with no progress in his descent through the pelvis. All the prep work I had done was for pushing based on an unmedicated birth, which I, I shoot myself in the foot for. So It was contingent on allowing the fetal ejection reflex to take place. That's all the practice that I had done, all the positions that I had practiced, all the breathing that I had practiced was all based on being in tune with my body and honestly relaxing my entire body while allowing the uterus, the fondus, to push the baby out. That doesn't really work with an epidural because you can't feel the fetal ejection reflex. Or I mean, that was my experience anyway. They did, however, allow me to attempt different pushing positions that I wanted mainly from my side due to the epidural, but I actually felt more comfortable. Maybe this was to do with the epidural lying on my back, like slightly elevated. That was actually more comfortable for me than the side lying position that I wanted to try. Uh, And they let me try whatever I wanted and I felt most comfortable on my back with like my pelvis slightly elevated. The baby's heart rate was decelerating again, something I could objectively see on the screen and the options were to keep pushing, cause even more swelling, which they were still concerned about and likely need forceps or an episiotomy with a three or four degree tear or an emergency C-section. As you all know, forceps, a vacuum and an episiotomy were an absolute no for me. These were a situation that I had planned for, impossible routes for my labor. It was not a question. So when they mentioned the C-section, and again, I also had people I loved, Nathaniel and my sister, who could tell me like, hey, the head is not coming down. The head is not coming. So it wasn't the medical staff pressuring me to do anything. I had people that I really trusted and supported letting me know what the progress looked like down South. I knew that that is what I wanted, if baby boy wasn't going to come out of me pushing vaginally, I wanted a C-section. I want to point out the downside of an epidural and why I originally didn't want one. Because you can't feel, you can't go with your body, you can't you're deeply disconnected from a massive physiological process that is taking place. So I do wish I would have done more research on pushing with an epidural and different positions and options for that and how to be the most successful with having a vaginal birth with an epidural, because I did not research that enough, but I, I really just based on the size of his head and the lack of progression through my pelvis, don't think it was going to happen regardless. Uh, and so when they said, and back up a little bit, my midwifery that I had gone to forceps and vacuum were one of like my biggest concerns at like 20 weeks when I was talking about my birth plan. And she was like, Oh, we never use those. Like we very, 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 very rarely ever have to use forceps or a vacuum. And it is like last, last, last resort. So I knew the severity of the situation when the doctor came to me from the midwifery and said, we're going to have to use a vacuum or forceps. Like that's where we're at. So I knew the severity of it and it was immediately no, (laughs) immediately no. (laughs) Um, I was like, absolutely not C-section. Let's get this done. Um, So 6.15 AM, we went the C-section route to get our baby boy out of distress and to not risk any further injury to me. Again, it was the swelling and baby's heart rate that had me concerned as well as just like not the pushing experience that I necessarily wanted or had planned for. I puked on the operating table and had uncontrollable shakes. Oh my Lord. My traps and jaw were like cramping. I also had the shakes with the epidural, which I didn't know was a thing. Again, should have done a lot more research on an epidural. It was a very strange sensation, one that I was not prepared for. It wasn't painful by any means. It was just like, this is different. Because I had mapped out the possibility of a C-section, which I am so forever grateful for, I knew that I wanted to request Nate to be with me that he could take photos, that I still had delayed cord clamping, and that baby came to my chest immediately before pumping his lungs, which I knew would need to happen because of the meconium. And I got all of that. It was invigorating. It was fascinating. It was miraculous. And it was strangely beautiful to me. Truly, it was an amazing experience all around. Every decision was made with autonomy, options, support. They gave me time to make decisions. I didn't feel rushed. I got all of those feelings and values that I wanted in my birthing process. So through my process, I came to absolute loathe with the depth of my soul, the phrase, healthy mom, healthy baby. Off you fuck with that phrase, in my opinion because it's so often used as a mask of decisions made for the convenience of providers versus what is actually in science best for mom and baby. And that infuriates me. But ironically, at the end of the day, that is what I got. And I am so grateful that we were at the hospital. That's why I say I feel like I had three birthing experiences in one. That natural birth labor process that happened leading into the epidural process and pushing through the epidural at a 10 leading into a C-section. I really did have these kind of like three separate experiences and I loved every part of it. Um, At 6.43 a.m. on November 23rd, 2022, we met our first Minnie Miller baby boy, you can call it what you want. A justification for actions taken. Um, I think I'd be lying if I didn't say that his size made me feel a bit better about the route that the labor took. I was pleased to see that he was a freaking behemoth with a massive dome. It felt to me like a moment of, ah, this makes sense. He's a freaking adorable human being. He came in his own time and we love him to pieces. If you have babies, if you are with child, if you have a birth story that you hate or are terrified of birth, or you're on the fence of having babies, I hope that my story brings you some kind of peace, brings you some kind of perspective that helps you move in whatever direction you need to move in. And also I will add, um, I did not have the gushy feelings when he was born. For me, I was it was like a relief. I guess like he's finally here. Um, And maybe that's because of the route that my birth or my labor took. Uh, But I also didn't think that I would have the gushy feelings just from my personality. And I had talked to other moms who were like, no, you know, it was when I had my baby, it was like a nice to meet you. And then the love grew and grew and grew over the next forever, I imagine. Um, So if that's something you're you're worried about as well, I just want to throw that in there that, you know, when he came to my chest, it was more just like this utter relief that happened. Um, and I would say a very, very, very primal protective instinct that came over me versus like a gushy love. So my, my sister-in-law said it's, it's something you can't choose the feeling that happens after birth. Uh, meaning it's, it's a love that you can't choose. And I absolutely, absolutely resonated with that and love it. So I thought I would share that with you. That's it. That is baby Miller's birth story. I'm sure there's you know tons of tons of details and, and nuance missing, but I'm going to put photos up on the site that that match these different processes uh, and different pieces of the process. So be sure to check that out because I really do think that that seeing the pictures is so special. If you are going to have other people with you, even if it is just your partner or someone that you you know feel supported by ideally, have them document it. It is so special. I don't even give a shit if it's on your iPhone. I doubt that you will be upset that you have pictures of your your labor. It is one of the most, if not the most special experience that we can have in life. So, okay, I will stop blabbering. Thank you all so much for being here. Remember, this is just my story. It's nothing else. Don't make it more. Don't make it less. I'll see you guys in the next one.